When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A lot of it was looking forward to like, okay, what's going to get me to the school I want to go to? And since I was young, it was always Oregon. You see what Oregon has become like this mecca and you want to go there. There's been a lot of adaptation uh, over my college career. You know, having two years without a track, you got to adapt and every, every little thing that you can overcome makes you a little bit stronger in the long run. I couldn't be more grateful for the path that I uh, kind of experienced and um, the people I met and the opportunities I've had. So I, I wouldn't take any of it back. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think there's a single thing that you know, hasn't played a pivotal role, whether good or bad, in helping me on this journey to where I am today. Welcome into the Mighty Oregon Podcast, presented by Oregon Community Credit Union. I'm Rob Mosley. Tier and Grijalva. Tier now is in the good spot. He gets to see what's happening now. There he makes the move. He shifts gears, goes wide. And he has a head of steam that I don't think anybody has an answer for. The Ducks win the 1500 and the 5000. Tier wins the five. Grijalva second. Kyoko third. So if I understand your background correctly, running is definitely in the genes. Like you had a grandfather who was who was pretty fast. What's the what's the genealogy there uh, in the Tier family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, kind of goes back to my grandpa. He won the. Um, a lot of my family is originally from Michigan, and he won the Michigan state championship in the mile back in 1949, um, which is definitely. Uh, 
you know, a big, a big piece of tier history, I think. There go some drivers with power in every stride, their arms pumping like pistons, their legs like drive shafts. And one of the first rules for a sprinter is to stay in his own lane. My dad ran a little bit in high school, but he played basketball as well, and he ended up kind of messing up his knees a little bit from basketball, so um, that never really materialized. I would, would have loved to see where he would have gone with it because he was always, like, really uh, athletically gifted and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think sort of have that background, and um, I think it's funny because my mom brings – we still have my grandpa's medal from the – that 1949 state championship and my mom brings it to every meet I think it's cool she always I always try to find her before and she always like wants me to touch them rub them together just get that little bit of good tear luck um the family magic yeah have you ever like not been able to find her or not been able to touch the metal anything like that I don't think I'm necessarily as superstitious about it as she is but you know whenever I do see her before I always Got get it. Got it. yeah she's definitely you know, she takes that with her wherever she goes, especially. So we're heading up. I was on the phone with her last night, and we're heading to um, Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, she's, like, showing showing me them. She's like, I got them ready to go. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a – I think it's a really cool part of uh, our family history because we don't have a crazy amount of, like, super athletic, notable um, people in the family, but I think that's something that's really cool that um, you can kind of trace back to. So yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Did you have much of a relationship with him? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, he's still he's actually down in South Carolina right now. Um, he he's getting up there in age. I was hoping he would be able to come out to Tallahassee, but um, yeah, definitely he he came to all my meets um, in high school whenever he could. Um, definitely living across the country is a little hard, so didn't see him as much as we'd like to. But yeah, definitely him and uh, my uncle is a really good athlete, and they they live in South Carolina, so. One of my first like actual big meets ever was at um, USATF does like a Junior Olympics thing, and uh, the first time I ever went, it was in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where my grandparents live. So they got to see me, uh, you know, go out there and kind of do my thing. Didn't do anywhere near as well as I wanted to, but um, you know, it was just it was cool to have that sort of be the start of the lineage of you know my progression from there. So your dad played basketball. So did you? do many other sports when you were growing up oh, i did everything growing okay. up yeah okay. i you know you name it i did it um i had a lot of you know different coaches telling me to go in different directions i had uh you know my i played lacrosse for a while i had the same soccer and lacrosse coach and he's like yeah lacrosse i think could be your future like, i don't know about all this running stuff um <laughs> fair amount of running in lacrosse and yeah and uh he he kind of i've i've been uh kind of coaxed to go different ways with with sports but I'm really happy with um you know kind of my freshman year I had to make a decision on what I wanted to do I played freshman basketball as I kind of followed my dad's footsteps I played freshman basketball um and then ran and from there like my progression from like middle school to high school was you know very significant and I figured you know I got to go all in on this and um you know paid off and you know I haven't looked back since but you would be one who supports kind of a multidisciplinary childhood? Yeah, you feel like you got a lot out of that. Oh my gosh, I was I was doing something every day, whether it was I'd go to soccer practice, basketball practice. I used to do um, triathlons when I was younger. My on the weekends, my dad would take me. We'd get up at like 5 a.m., go drive out to go do like a kids triathlon. Um, so yeah, I did it all, and I think you know, first of all, it's just like keeps you active and it's super fun. That's where I've made a lot of my friends. Um, but also, I think. You know, it gives you that opportunity to really um, 
hone in on what your your skills are and um, kind of take that with you as you progress throughout you know the later stages of life and that's definitely helped me I I played soccer for a long time um, I was on a really good team mostly because I was best friends with the coach's son so that that helped uh, get on the team but you know I, I rode the bench for a long time in in youth soccer um, but it was super fun because whenever they put me in they put me in at midfield and they just say go run and try to get the ball and I realized that like I just love to do it and you know maybe I didn't have the technical skills of everyone else but I had the heart to just get out there and go run my ass off for a long time um, and yeah I think that was like a pretty pivotal role and um, realizing that like cross country and track were something I could be really good at. Way back so Oregon now into the lead as Charlie Hunter gets ready to hand off to their ace Cooper Tier the collegiate record holder in the mile. Tier shifts again. Romo trying to gather some type of energy to catch and not going to happen. Oregon wins it and just missing again the collegiate record. Track's interesting in that there's a team dynamic certainly but then you also, you know, kind of are on your own island, too, in certain ways. But you, as much as anyone, I feel like, has had an appreciation for the team dynamic. Do you think that comes from having played a lot of team sports growing up? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the team dynamic, a lot of it, that's what's, you know, kept me around for so long. Um, a lot of people think this is an individual sport, and you're going out there and you're racing for yourself. But, uh, you know, coming into college, one of my big goals was to win a team title. I remember seeing... I have I have a shirt from I think the 2013 indoors where uh, Oregon won and just seeing photos from that and seeing how like everyone like from every different discipline you know came together and um, was just so ecstatic after that and I really wanted to kind of make sure I had like that culture within the team and um, you know made sure I'm not just hanging out with the distance guys like you gotta have uh, I think a lot of it comes from having an appreciation for the other disciplines and. You know, seeing guys like EJ, our triple jumper, or our throwers, or the sprinters, and and everything. I think, you know, I I also tried a lot of it. I high jumped a little bit in uh, in high school, sucked at it, um, <laughs> and you know that just like you know gave me a way better appreciation for it. So um, yeah, I think you know wanting that team team dynamic to really come together. Um, it's definitely kept me around and you know, it paid off. We, we won that indoor title and even second outdoors is something that's like, I don't know, you can't really put a price on it. And then I think a big part of me coming back for cross country this year was wanting to really experience that. Cause after college, I feel like you definitely do lose a little bit of that, um, you know, team dynamic. So yeah, this is definitely like a special season for me. Um, wanting to make sure I get the most out of, you know, having those teammates and having that support system and having guys that, you know, guys like Reed Brown, who I've been roommates with all almost five years now of college um, and just getting like one more go around with those guys that, you know, I really love and respect. So you mentioned, you know, some of, some of the youth sports activity you had, you know, with some relationships with friends, parents of friends were coaches. What was the influence of your own folks? I mean, were they pushing you to do any particular sports? What, you know, what, what did they want you to get out of those experiences? I think most of all, they just wanted me to have fun and enjoy what I was doing. Um, I had a, and also I think a big part of it was just being active. I had a lot of friends that, you know, would sit inside for a long time and, you know, play video games. And, so, and I was never like that. I never really played video games growing up. 
Um, Cause I think I grew up in a household that really fostered that idea of, you know, get out and go play and just go do what makes you happy. Um, and my parents were really supportive of anything I wanted to do. Um, and I think it really showed my dad, when I started running a little bit in middle school, we would get up at, like I said, five, 6 a.m., go you know, drive to San Francisco or drive anywhere in the Bay Area um, to go do a local 5K or just a fun run. And um, yeah, they were always really supportive and let me go do what I wanted to do and never really pushed me one way or another. Um, I remember when I quit soccer, I cried so much because I thought they were gonna be mad and they were like, if you don't wanna play soccer, don't play soccer. Like, it's, easy, it's as easy as that. Um, and I think that really, you know, helped me a lot in growing as a person um, and knowing I have, you know, that love and support around me. So yeah, they were, I mean, you know, the biggest reason I got to really experience everything I did when I was younger. And uh, I think it really helped guide me to, you know, where I am today. You mentioned going out to Myrtle Beach to run when you were younger, like whether it was that or something else, is there a, an event that sticks out when you were a kid that's like your first like big race that you felt like I'm on a different stage than just being a kid out running for fun? Yeah, I actually, I did this race um, in this place in the Bay Area uh, called Modesto. It was called the Modesto Midnight Run. And I remember I had a soccer tournament the next morning and this race was, it was like a 5K that was literally at midnight. Um, How old are you? I think I was like 12 or 13. Okay. Um, and so they had like a 5K, a half marathon, and a marathon. And my dad was like, you want to go run this race? I was like, yeah, that, like, that'd be awesome. Like something I've never really done, never stayed up past like 9 o'clock by then. <laughs> so I was like, heck yeah, we're going to go do it. That was part of the attraction. Yeah, exactly. Just it was just, late. Exactly. He was going to go have fun. <laughs> um, and I remember like specifically, my dad, my dad loves to tell this story. Um, we started the race. I couldn't tell you what happened in the race, but with like probably 800 to go, there's a really long straightaway, bunch of people, because there was a big marathon, so everyone's out there supporting. Um, and I was actually in first place in the 5K with in all all age groups, all divisions. And I remember um, my dad loves to just recall, you know, me coming down with like four or 500 meters to go. And the announcer's just like, all right, here comes the first place runner. Like, is that like, is that a little kid? <laughs> and I remember just like, the cheers were just ecstatic, like overwhelming. Wow. And uh, and that was the first time I was like, I won a race against like actual like people, not just kids. Sure. Like and that was that was a surreal feeling. And I remember finishing, like crossing that line and just being like, Wow, that was like I want that feeling again. Um so that day might as much as any might have changed kind of what you thought running could be in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I never I always just did it. Um actually I wasn't even like, I got into running mostly because of uh, my really good friend, Gavin Hill. He was uh, he was kind of the big runner in our uh, like area and he got me into it. His dad, we, so I went to Castro Valley Track Club, which was, ended up being like 30 minutes away from my house and they, I would carpool with them. They'd pick me up every day. And for a long time, he was much better than me throughout all of middle school. Like he was you know, he was kind of the guy and I just remember being like, oh, I want to be like him. Um, and and then, you know, in high school, I started progressing, getting a little faster. Um, and he's always, he's been my best friend since like sixth grade. Um, and he really got me into it. And from then on, like, I was just like, I want to be like him. And then to this day, like he's, um, you know, helping me with like some agency stuff for like after college. Uh, so it's cool to see the progression of like our friendship. And 
um, how he got me into it, and now you know I am where I am. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of different events that I think contributed, but there was some of those moments like that 5K that just really stand out. Were you chasing granddad's mile time in high school? I don't even like, you know I what don't it even was? know what his mile time okay. is, if All I'm right. being honest. I think you know they were back running in dress shoes back then. Right, right. Uh, it's hard to really compare, but I was I wanted to be like a, I wanted to have a state title. Um, that definitely was a big influence for that. Um, and in California, definitely that's you know very hard to do. I remember when I won my first cross country state title, I was just so enthused. I'm pretty sure my grandpa was there as well. Um, and that was that was a big milestone moment. Um, just knowing that it's kind of been in the family and I'm keeping that tradition up a little bit. So yeah, there was definitely, there was some influence from my grandpa and, you know, wanting to really get to the level that he was at. Um, so yeah, there was, I think going just down the line, there's, sure. there's a lot of things that influenced. So, okay. So now you're in high school, you're starting to continue, you know, compete for and win state championships. What are your goals at that point? How big picture are you thinking about where running can take you? Yeah, I've always, I think a lot of it was trying to figure out what's going to get me to the place I want to go next. Um, and I had I had amazing coaches in high school, and they, um, you know, supported everything I wanted to do. And, you know, if I had an idea or I wanted to go run a certain time that maybe even I thought was crazy, they were 100% on board with it. I remember I actually uh, really wanted to break four in high school in the mile, and I didn't even, like, bring it up my coach was like do you want to try to break four next weekend I was like what are you talking about like I can't do that and then I went and ran four flat point one the next weekend and yeah (laughs) it was it was rough but um a lot of it was looking forward to like okay what's gonna get me to the school I want to go to and since I was young it was always Oregon I think anyone and you know who begins to look into running when they're in you know elementary or middle school you see what Oregon has become like this mecca and you want to go there was there certain like idols for lack of a better term that you had i mean certain runners you looked up to that had gone here or was it more just the tradition overall yeah i think well the tradition is just unbeatable and um you know there were guys like galen who were absolutely just dominating the scene a feeling that he experienced in very hot conditions in la four years ago cold breezy conditions here in atlanta georgia Two very, very different Olympic marathon trials, but Galen Rupp has done it in Atlanta. He's on his way to Tokyo. Obviously, Pre was everyone. I mean, I went as him for Halloween one year. There's just like, it doesn't get much better than that in my eyes. And, you know, I had a lot of different options, but at the end of the day, it was really, it's like, if I have the opportunity to go to Oregon, I'm going there. And that's like, I want to be one of those guys that um, is a household name and, uh, you think about running at Oregon, you think about, you know, Galen, you think about Pre, you think about Billy McChesney, you think about Coubertier. That's like, that's what I wanted to be. Um, how, and, and how, like, would you express that to people? And how realistic or not did that feel to you? Um, I never... To I say it out loud, at a certain age, it might have been like, oh, that's kind of almost ridiculous, those yeah. guys, what those guys did. I don't think I ever said that to anyone. Um, you know, I expressed that I wanted to go here. Um, but I think deep down, I always knew, like, I don't want to just go here and just be a guy that ran here. I want to be, like, one of the guys that ran here. Um, and I think, you know, that was, since I came in freshman year, like, I was 
all about running. Like that's, I want to make sure, you know, your time when you first get here, you feel like you're going to be here forever. But sure, I pretty quickly realized that, you know, it comes and goes quickly and you have to like really make do of the time you have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I came in just guns blazing, wanted to get as much as I could out of it, whether that's just the running aspect or, you know, learning from the older guys and uh, really making sure I know the history and making sure I appreciate every time I get to walk into old Hayward and now new Hayward and um, things like that. And I think I, I personally love my time here. I think I was, uh, you know, came in at a really awesome time, you know, being able to experience and run one of the last races on the old Hayward field um, and now kind of being able to come in and be uh, one of the first guys to really like, do some cool stuff on Hayward. Um, it kind of put a stamp on the new facility. Yeah. Yeah, the last race I ever ran on Old Hayward was the NCAA 5K. Um, and one of the first races I ever won on, on New Hayward was the NCAA 5K. So I thought that was a really cool like full circle moment. Totally. It's So it sounds like you have an ability to think big picture, but goal set kind of incrementally. Yeah. Would you say that's true? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, a lot of it is you have to kind of keep your goals within yourself, but also, you know, be able to think a little bit crazy. Sure. Um, and the funny thing is like, even some of my crazy goals now I've surpassed. Sure. Uh, I remember talking to Cole after we ran 350 and being like, what just happened? Like, I remember talking um, the weekend before going to Arkansas, I was talking with my roommates and like, do you think you could, you know, get the collegiate record in the mile? Like, I was like, I don't know, like 352 flat is moving. I was like, I think I can run 352, 353 right now, but that would just be insane. And then going and feeling like, you know, I might even had a little more left in the tank running 350. It's just something like four years ago, I never would have even thought about. And I think that it just like proves that you can't set expectations or set limits on yourself. You just have to go and like really be able to adapt. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, there's been a lot of adaptation uh, over my college career, you know, having two years without a track or just being in Oregon in general and, you know, having to face the weather. Coach always talks about how, um, you know, a lot of teams, you know, teams from California, they, they got good weather year round. There's in some days where, you know, at the local middle school running in 30 degrees in rain. And it's just like, you got to adapt and, Every, every little thing that you can overcome makes you a little bit stronger in the long run. Um, and I think, you know, for the last COVID, for example, like <laughs> just being able to know that there's not really anything coming up and still being able to put in that work, uh, you know, it just, it goes a long way being self-driven. And I think that's very much what I pride myself in, uh, making sure you know, I'm doing everything I can in my personal power to get to the place that I want to be. How would you compare the collegiate experience you've had outside of competition, just as a college kid with the quote unquote normal college kid? Like if you've been this focused throughout the last four plus years, what what, what have you had to give up? Obviously you've enjoyed some, some great benefits of that, but I would presume there's been some moments too of like, eh, you know, I, I kind of, I'm envious as well of kind of the normal kid too. How'd yeah. you, how'd you describe that? Yeah, absolutely. I came in, I had a lot of friends that were just came here 
just to go to school. And there's definitely times where, you know, you're a little jealous when they get to go do certain things and you, know, you have a long run the next morning. Um, but I, I think I pride myself a lot on having a really good balance. And I, I think I personally run best when I'm having fun with it. And that means not taking it too seriously. Um, taking it serious to the point where you know you're not missing out on anything, but also being able to have fun with it. One of the one of the biggest things for me is like the guys that I'm running with every day are you know my best friends. So it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like anything extra. I'm I'm excited to go to practice every day, and I think that's one of the biggest things. There's a lot of people that probably dread going to practice every day. Sure. But when you have the outlook that you know I get to do this, I don't have to do this. I think. You know that changes things exponentially, and uh, you know I'm I'm grateful to be here every second I get to. So um, I don't think I really would have changed anything. Um, I definitely my first couple of years, um, you know, I might have gone out and had a little bit too much fun, and on certain times. But I think that's something that you have to do. You're in college. You're only in college once. Like sure. you're you're 18 years old, 19 years old. Like go go have fun. Like things aren't that serious yet. And I think that's helped me also progress throughout. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I can work on. There's a lot of things um, that also take my mind off running. I think there's a lot of people that are so infatuated with running and that's all they do. And that can be hard when you have that race that doesn't go your way. Sure. And I think one of the things that I've found most beneficial for myself is being able to do something and move on whether it's you know winning NCAAs move on to the next thing like enjoy it for a little bit and then be able to get past it you know not having the race you want say Pac 12s that's that's a race i really wanted to win um it's pa the Pac 12 cross country yes, this year yeah, yeah yeah from last weekend and uh you know didn't happen you can be sad for a little bit but there's always something coming up next and when you're just sad and kind of down on yourself about those things it's not productive at all. And I think you have to, having things that I like to do outside of running and uh, having people that aren't runners that I can hang out with and go get my mind off things, I think it's proven to be insanely beneficial um, in just being able to continue to progress and not dwell on things too much. I remember coming back from a meet, a meet one time, I think it, it might've been cross country in fall of 2016 and uh, being on a bus, pulling back into town, and Chez was sitting behind me, and he was like, I'm gonna get some cookies from Doco. Like, do you have something like that where like, okay, you just had a big meet, now you can cheat? Always. Um, <laughs> I probably, I might do this too much. Like after, after any good race, I get back, and I'm like, okay, what's it gonna be this time? We love to go to Sweet Life. Uh, they have insane cinnamon rolls. Always get a cinnamon roll from there. Um, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not afraid to like, I'll go get a pizza tonight because I had a good race and I'm I feel good about it. But that's not gonna stop the next morning getting out and making sure I have a quality long run the next morning. Like that's the thing. It's it's give and take. You have to be able to you know if you're gonna you know do something like that, you gotta deal with the consequences and not complain about it or not let it affect you. Um, and I think that's that's what I'm really good at. I feel like I have a pretty solid. Uh, grip on the mental side of things um and being able to you know push through things when i have to i remember watching uh uh this interview from galen rupp before the chicago marathon this year and uh 
one of the things he really emphasized was, you know, what makes a, an athlete great is the margin between their best days and their worst days. Having a small margin, you know, on your best day, you go out and give it everything and you crush a workout or you crush a race. Like those days are in like ones that come, you know, once a month, once a year. But being able to have one of those days where you just feel like nothing's going your way and still being able to just go out, hit your splits, no matter how bad it feels and not complaining about it and keeping that margin between the best day and the worst day small. Um, you know, I think that just, it proves so beneficial. And um, I think it just helps again with that adaptation. Like you can go out there, you might not feel the best, but you don't let anyone see it and you go do your thing. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's that's been a very big thing that I've been trying to work on um, is just, you know, being able to get through it no matter what. Hearing you talk about your mindset and kind of always moving on to the next thing and enjoying what you're doing no matter what, you had that string of races in the spring, spring of 2021 from like late in indoors, early in outdoors where you were second. There was like four big races in a row where you were second by a total of like a half of a second. Yeah. Combined in four races. But, you know, the attitude after every one of those, you know, you were happy for the guy who won. You were happy with your own performance. Is there any like faking it through those times for you? Or or, or, is, or is all that like legitimate sentiment? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said before, I'm I'm just happy to be here, and and really, anytime I get to go out there, I have an immense respect for um, you know anyone who's out there that I'm racing against, and if on the day they get the better of me, I know as long as I know that I've given everything I can, what can you do? There's there's nothing you can do about that, and you have to just be happy for that person that you know, had it on that day. I know that I'll never not give 110% of what I have. Um, and so if I lose a race, yeah, I'm going to be happy for that person because I feel like they beat me when I was trying my best, like everything I had. Um, so yeah, like seeing- A couple of times it's your it's your teammate Cole Hawker, yeah. so- And that makes it a little easier. Sure. I think a lot of people um, might think it would make it harder as well. Um, it's hard to be- uh, you know, I felt like I was kind of the the top guy on our team for a year or two, and then, you know, having a guy come in like Cole, who's you know two years younger, and and just see him, you know, blossom into the amazing runner he is today. Um, it's definitely yeah, it's a little bit hard, but it's also, I feel like there's so much I can learn from him, and uh, so much we can learn from each other. So, um, you know, I'm just happy every time I have the opportunity to go out there and. Again, he's he's an amazing kid. Outside of that, we uh, we're very good friends, and um, I think that's a lot of people again think that's hard to do. Like someone you're competing with and and losing races to, it's it's hard to have that friendship. But I think that's what makes it the easiest. Our it kind of stems from that friendship, our camaraderie. So it's easy to you know if I lose to him, that's a, that's a fine day, and nobody else beats me. Um, you know, what can you say about that? At least we're keeping it within the family, right? And were any of those results a factor in, you know, you win the 15 at Pac-12s, you win the 5Ks you referred to earlier at NCAAs. Were you on that path regardless and just not getting the results in those earlier races? Did, did those seconds provide any extra fuel that you think paid off later in the season? Yeah. Well, I think um, it's not necessarily like one race or, or stuff like that. I think it's 
learning and seeing you know cole go win those big races like okay what do i do to do that as well um you know we won the dmr indoors and then um you know i thought i won 3k and then you know i saw cole blow past me in the last 50 meters it's like okay what do i do to make sure this doesn't happen again and to make sure it doesn't happen to someone that's not cole like as long as as long as i'm learning from it and you know i'm taking something away from it and making sure that you know as long as you see Oregon getting 10 points in that race, so be it. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it was just a learning learning curve and uh, an opportunity to get a little bit better. And I think you have to have those losses. It's If you're winning everything, you're not gaining too much from it, I don't think. It's those days where you know, you're, you don't have it. I think you know that 1500 at Twilight where uh, Yard and a Goose came and I got second and Cole got third, I think you know, that was a big race for Cole. Cole had an insane workout after that that, you know, nobody saw. Um, and I think it just provides, yeah, it definitely is a little bit a little bit of fuel. And, uh, yeah, it just, you know, keeps the ball rolling, keeps you hungry for it. The Ninkasi Better Living Room is a restaurant and gathering space in Eugene's Whitaker neighborhood celebrating food, art, beer, and community. The BLR's kitchen celebrates locally sourced flavors of the region while complementing the unique flavors craft beer drinkers enjoy. Plus, come taste innovative beers from their five-barrel pilot system you can't taste anywhere else. For more information, menus, and reservations, visit ninkasibrewing.com Eugene. Perpetuate better living. Working together with Oregon Community Credit Union to produce the Mighty Oregon podcast just feels natural, because I've been an OCCU member for as long as I can recall. Whether I was building a savings plan or securing a car loan, Oregon Community Credit Union has always treated me not just like a customer, but a friend and neighbor. Learn more about OCCU and how they've been supporting ducks for over 60 years at myoccu.org slash grow dash O. Every Wednesday at 7.05 p.m. Pacific during football season, Jerry Allen, Mike Jorgensen, and Joey Mack go in-depth with Mario Cristobal and assistant coaches on the Oregon Football Coaches Show. The crew takes you inside the program with weekly opponent breakdowns and stories only the coaches can tell. Listen via the Oregon Sports Network or watch the show on Oregon Football Facebook and Twitter or the Go Ducks YouTube channel. The Oregon Football Coaches Show, live every Wednesday at 7.05 p.m. Pacific. Coming up with one lap to go. Cooper with the lead. 3.52, the collegiate record. And look at this, 3.48, 3.49, 3.50. for Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker. You mentioned being able to run at Old Hayward Field, you know, last race there. What do you recall of that facility? Like, what, what are the memories? What are the images that, that you conjure up when you think about old Hayward Field. Yeah, I I paid a couple of visits. Um, I think my sophomore year, I came up with my mom to to tour the campus, and I remember sneaking onto Hayward Field, um, and they had like the the gates out, so where you can't run in lanes one to four. Right. I remember just being like, all right, I'm gonna do my workout in lane five. Like I could go to South and get a really good workout in, or I could run on Hayward Field uh, and maybe not have the best workout but really get to like soak in the experience. And, uh, and then I came on my visit 
and uh, saw Edward Cheserek doing some mile repeats, and I just remember thinking like, I want to be here. I want to do this. Um, and even one of the one of the coolest experiences ever was um, going to Nike Elite Camp in 2016 during the Olympic Trials and getting to actually race during the Olympic Trials. Um, like I got to race with a bunch of the top high schoolers in the nation. I ran a mile PR in front of easily the biggest crowd I've ever been in front of. Um, so yeah, there's like I've never had a bad memory on Hayward. Every workout, I remember just getting better and better my freshman year, and then you know making NCAA's and. I did horrible in that race, but I enjoyed every second of it because I saw every time I came around, there's a whole section of just my teammates and my friends, and then you know literally the whole the whole stands were just lined with Oregon fans. I'll never forget one of my favorite moments ever was um, on the line of that 5K my freshman year, and there's guys to my right like Justin Knight, like NCAA champs, right. uh, conference champs, like all-american guys and then me a little freshman who hasn't done anything and they're introducing everyone and they call out justin's name yeah some claps some claps and they i was like number 16 and they like called my name and the crowd just erupted like i've never heard applause like that especially for myself and just like knowing that i had that backing like no matter what just being a duck in this facility like it doesn't get better than that like you have you know the tension's all on you and that I think got to me a little bit in the race, but I sure. didn't care. Like I, I never felt pride like that, um, you know, for my school. So I just got chills hearing you tell that story. So yeah. it, to to actually be in the center of all that must have been a, it was a lot to process. It was insane. I think it. I think it was. It might have thrown me off a little bit, um, but yeah. No, it's like it's moments like those that all, you know, continue to remember forever. Training through the construction of the facility, you know, having to go offsite, you know, not really having a home facility. How would you describe just kind of how you guys, just as a program, dealt with that and got through that? Yeah, I mean, that was a very big adjustment period. We had a new coach. We had no facilities. We were coming over here. Um, we all lived on the other side of campus, you know. Just some background. So Andy Powell had been the distance coach, and, and he leaves. He goes to UW, and Ben comes in. So you've got a new – did you have any relationship with him? No. Okay. So never you, so, even heard of him before that. So you've you've just met your coach. You've lost your facility. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And you're still a young young kid in your college career. Yeah, I remember. You know, a lot of people were like, "Are you going to go to UW? Like, what's going to happen?" Um, and I remember I loved Andy. I had a had a great experience with him, my freshman year, and you know him and Hayward and just everything. I was kind of in awe all of my freshman year, and it was hard to go back to, kind of, you know the ground floor and not really be able to have any of this. Um, but I knew that, you know, this is University of Oregon. They're not going to bring in someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And I figured, you know, I'll give myself a year with it. I will see how it goes. And, you know, I can always transfer next year if I need to. Um, like there's grounds for that. It's no problem. So I was like, you know, let's try it out. And I remember him coming in, kind of putting his foot down. And, you know, we were over at South Eugene High School or Hamlin Middle School, you know, just making do with what we had. And I think it's really a testament to Ben, you know, coming in without any of these opportunities of having Hayward or, you know, these things that you just associate with University of Oregon coming in kind of empty handed. You're used um, to having all the bells and whistles at your yeah. disposal. And now top flight yeah, facilities. Exactly. You're in a middle and, school. 
it is yeah. a nice middle school for the people who don't to know. To be fair, it's a very nice middle school. Very nice middle school. <laughs> Every time I drive by, I'm like, is that like a community college yeah. or something? <laughs> um, and I think that's, you know, one of the biggest testaments to, uh, you know, Ben Thomas in general. Like he, he made do with what he had. And I remember getting fourth at indoors in the 3K um, and making outdoors and, and running big PRs and just thinking like, okay, I did this with a new guy that, you know, don't really know what to expect from, no facilities. Like, I after that year, I was hooked. I was I was in it for the long run, and I was in it to you know be here once the construction was done. And you know, I wanted to really you know, reap all the benefits once it comes down to it, because I knew it was gonna be you know like my senior year. I was like, okay, it's gonna be worth the wait. Like, it's gonna be a little bit of a struggle, but um, you know, as long as again going back to the team, as long as I got my teammates here and. Uh, you know, with them, I feel like I can do anything. Presumably you're, I don't know if you're going on training runs past the construction, but presumably you're seeing it re frequently and kind of getting a sense of, as it's being built, what it's going to be like. Yeah. I remember um, just coming back from the summer and seeing it had gone up like way more. And you could, I would finally sort of got, um, you kind of put together in your head what it was going to look like. You had the, the outline of it all. I just had to, you know, put in all the little bells and whistles and, and being like, okay, this is already well worth it. And it's probably another year before I even get to step foot in this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's proven time and time again to be worth it. In COVID, how did you guys get through that as a group? Um, how much of a connection were you able to feel with your teammates? What was training through that period like? Yeah, I think honestly, COVID was very beneficial for me. Um, I had run every season since I got on campus. I'd run indoors, outdoors, and cross country for two and a half years. And I think I was honestly a little bit tired of it. And COVID, you know, gave me the chance to take a step back, really find my love for the sport again, and realize that, you know, it's kind of on me um, to make sure that this is what I want to do. And you know, once I got that little break, it was okay. Today, I don't have to do anything. I could just sit around on my ass all day, but I want to go out and I want to go do a workout. And it was really, you know, about self-motivation. And I felt like I got a lot out of that. And that's where a lot of my, um, you know, ability to just get out and go do it. I feel like that's where a lot of it came from. And I, I told myself that I want to, once, you know, we're back to racing and everything, I'm not going to take anything for granted because, you know, it can go away like that. We were at, we are in Albuquerque, a, you know, hours before going on in the DMR that I knew we could win as a team. And this I thought- the 2019, 2020 indoor championships? Yeah, yeah, 2020, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there was, there were some races I thought I was going to get my first NCAA titles. Yeah. And I got taken away like in the blink of an eye. You guys are literally out on training runs. We're warming, we're doing our pre-race yeah. the morning before and just thinking like, okay, if I get the opportunity again, I'm not gonna let it, you know, pass me by. Um, so I think it was a good a good time to take a step back and really regain a love for it and go back to just the basics to, you know, easy runs, going out and doing workouts when I wanted to. Um, and This might be an oversimplification, but you know, you've, you've spoken about how motivated you are to run with your teammates and was that a time when you 
we're reminded too that individually, this is something you had a passion for, even if you were kind of isolated and in, in your own little world. Yeah, absolutely. There was days on end where you're just doing nothing. And it was like, I'll go for a run. Best part of my day for months, just getting out the door, not seeing a single soul out there, just going and, and doing it, throwing some music in and kind of just exploring, you know, around me and uh, getting to really soak in a nice appreciation for Eugene. It was beautiful. It was the start of the spring and we were just had spring to summer. Just and I couldn't like I had an amazing time. It was you know a horrible time um, for anything else, but I felt like I could really take advantage of this you know not great situation um, and make it work to my advantage. You had a vision for what your college career could be and what you could accomplish. You've described so much upheaval that you've had to go through too. It sounds like you feel like you've gained a lot because of that. Is there any sour feeling at all? Like, well, this is, nobody signed up for the four years I experienced with a coaching change, with the facility issue, with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Any of that? No, I think you know every every second of it has you know built me into the person i am today and like i said before the some of the things that you know we've done here i never could have even fathomed i never could have put it on paper and said i'm gonna do this um so yeah i think you know i'm everything that has happened for better or for worse has played an important role and i think a lot of people think that you know us here the U, U of O, you know have it easy and um, you know you don't see a lot of that stuff behind closed doors. You just see when we go out and we go win NCAA's and stuff like that. And they go see the new facility, but they don't see the two years we didn't have that. They don't see the coaching changes. They don't see you know the weather every day. They there's a lot of things that you don't see. Um, and yeah, I thought coming in it was going to be just a breeze, but <laughs> I I couldn't be more grateful for the path that I uh, kind of experienced and. Um, the people I met and the opportunities I've had. So I, I wouldn't take any of it back. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think there's a single thing that, you know, hasn't played a pivotal role, whether good or bad, in helping me on this journey to where I am today. You talked about kind of, maybe you didn't vocalize it, but in the back of your head, you wanted to be one of the greats to run here. And McChesney's one of the guys you mentioned. So to in your last outdoor season, to break his longstanding 5K record, just what did that mean to you just as an accomplishment? Yeah. Um, my first like week at U of O, um, we would have long meetings with the coaches. Um, kind of when you're a freshman especially, you meet and you talk about short-term goals, long-term goals. And I remember talking with Andy, and he's like, I want you to break the 5K record, the 5K school record by the time you know you leave here. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm not going to do that, but that's fine. <laughs> and especially that Good being, to have a goal. especially that being, I think, I think it was at the time the longest standing University of Oregon record. Um, 
and just looking at that number, like that 13, 14, just being, that's insane. Um, but every year that was in the back of my mind. That was always um, kind of the end goal. If there was one goal, that was it. Yeah, yeah. It was like when and if there was a time, like that's that's the time to do it. And there's actually, right by one of the exits, there's a big picture inside of Hay- the new Hayward of uh, Bill McChesney. And I would just like, I'd be walking out and I would just stop and stand and look at it for a little while and just like think about wanting to, you know, kind of just mentally visualize, you know, that's, I want to be as good as him. And I want to see he's, I think he's an, a very overlooked organ icon. Sure. But coming in, I didn't know who Bill, Bill McChesney was. Yeah. Um, and over the years I've come to have a very great, uh, you know, respect for him. And, you know, to get that in, what you know could have been my last uh, college cross or track race, just in in the fashion that it happened as well. I think you it was like a storybook ending. Um, you know, winning an NCAA NCAA title at home in front of the crowd, breaking that record, like all the pieces just aligned for that like last really big race of the season. For all the ways it seems like in the previous four years things had. The stars hadn't been aligned in your favor. Yeah, it all came together in that last moment. Yeah, it was just like you couldn't couldn't have painted it be- any better yourself. Um, so I was just like forever grateful, and you know, like I said, that's that's one of the things that I'd been going after since I got here, really. Um, so it's just like to know that I have that, you know, school record. That's that's something that you know you can't really take away. Um, like, do you think this- about the idea of? There's might be a Cooper Tier plaque that some other kid in 20 years is looking at. Like, yeah. I want to be that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, you want to be one of the greats. You want to be someone that you're like, I want to be him, or like someone that people look up to. Um, and I felt like that was kind of one of those defining moments where I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm doing it. There was. I remember going after it like two different times uh, last December, and then uh, that early spring race, and just being, like, God, this is hard. That's gonna be. This is hard, and. It's just like never felt so smooth as it did at NCAA's. So, yeah, forever grateful for that. You you race yourself onto the bubble for a Olympic team spot later in in the summer. What was that like? And 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 at what point in your college career did you start to think about post collegiate goals and where running could take you? Yeah, I think that's an experience in itself that you can't replicate anywhere else. I don't think. And just going into it. I was like, I had won my NCAA title. That's really what I wanted to accomplish during outdoors. And I remember earlier in the in the year, I was just like, it'll be cool if I can make the final of, you know, the 5K or the 1500. And at trials, yeah. And then going in and being one of the few people with the Olympic A standard, be like, I have a legit chance of like making a team here. I didn't really know what to think about it. That hadn't been on your radar. Not, not really. Yeah. I definitely thought that it might be possible, but it had never felt closer than it did, yeah, at that moment. And But I also didn't want to put too much pressure on it. I think a lot of it, I was just thinking, like, this is the icing on the cake. Like, I've done what I came here to do during this outdoor season. Um, I blew away anything that I really thought I could do. Um, so, yeah, I make the team awesome. I don't – I got really good experience for – um, you know, Olympic trials to come. So I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself, but also I knew like 
you know, it's right there. You just got to go do it. Um, and you know, that, that hot early morning in Eugene, like it was hard. That was one of the hardest races I've ever run. I remember getting halfway through that and being like, I need to stop. <laughs> but then just realizing- like, like you thought about stepping off, literally? I thought I could step off and I wouldn't be too sad because yeah. I, was, I was hurting. Yeah. And then I think, again, that's where you just tap into that. I'm at home. I'm a duck. I got fans out there. And that's just, you know, again, adversity. You got to roll with the punches. And uh, I remember making a move for it at like 400 to go. And I, I still believe that if I had gotten around with like 300 to go, I like almost got to the lead and then I got cut off a little bit. If I had gotten to the lead, I would have made that team. But it's a group of like five yeah. racing for three spots at the end, right? Yeah. And you're in that five. Yeah. And you were in the top three. Yeah, I think I was like on the outside in third. Yeah. Um Yeah, it was just like, I mean, every single one of those guys that made that team legit and guys I'd I'd looked up to a lot. Right. Um, so like just to be even, you know, mixing it up with them, I was over the moon just to have that opportunity. And I finished, and I felt like I had nothing left to give. And I was sad for a second, and that was that. I did tell myself before that fourth place is the exact place I didn't want to get. I said, get top three or get fifth or sixth. Right. Because then I had to go to team processing and sit there and do all this stuff for like an hour and a half and miss out on the only good part, which is getting like all the gear and everything. So I got to see it firsthand and still had to go through the process, but didn't really Teased a little to, bit. Yeah, I did very, very much got teased. But, you know, I think it was a great uh, opportunity and it just, you know, that much closer to, um, you know, my overall goals of, you know, being an Olympian and, yeah. um, you know, getting a medal on the world stage. So it was just good experience and, you know, made a lot of really good friends and um, got to kind of see how the whole process works and being you know, the presence of some really good guys. So in terms of what you could take from that and how it might benefit you for wherever running takes you, mm -hmm. that's just going to be one more experience that exactly. you're, you can bank and say, that's going to make me better. Yeah, exactly. Like at a certain point, you know, everyone's sort of doing the same thing. There's not, there's not any secrets out there that nobody knows. It's about, you know, taking what you've learned, taking that experience and applying it to every different situation and be able to to adapt and just, you know, roll with the punches. What are the crazy goals and what are the incremental goals? Yeah, um, I think, you know, first thing on the plate is NCAAs, right. cross, right. go out there. I mean, obviously I wanna win. There's, I think this is probably one of the best years ever in collegiate cross country history. So it's gonna be hard, but yeah, I mean, the goal is always to come out in first and, um, Hopefully, I don't think we've had the team race we can have yet. So um, I just really want to, you know, put put on for my team. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's the first thing. And then, you know, kind of figure out what I'm doing for indoors and outdoors. And um, I think, you know, the big, the big thing is world champs right in our backyard, Eugene 2022. So um, make that team, like, set myself up to the point where I can make that team and hopefully get a medal. Um, I think I think the 5K, I think I definitely have a shot to do that. Um, again, there's just in the US alone, there's so many great guys, um, but I don't see a reason why I'm not one of those. And so I wanna definitely, you know, just keep this momentum, um, especially into something that, you know, like I said, uh, 
the Olympic trials in itself is an experience, but I can't imagine a world championships here on that same scale, like larger scale and um, in that same track. So I think get a little chip on your shoulder, um, got a little advantage just being here every day and not being starstruck by this insane facility. So just gonna keep, you know, head down, keep working for it. And uh, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Thanks for joining us on the Mighty Oregon Podcast presented by Oregon Community Credit Union, a production of Sport and Story and Learfield IMG College. You can support this podcast by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review the Mighty Oregon Podcast presented by Oregon Community Credit Union. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.